Today, we're going to be talking about how Jesus loves us and how we can love others. Um, in the movie, The Prince's Bride, there is a, a great line about the value of true love. Back to the last slide. Come on, you went to, you went back, there we go. Uh, and, and the, you know, the movie is, is all about the enduring power of true love. And at one point, the character played by Billy Crystal, right here, Miracle Max, says, and I quote, true love is the greatest thing in the world. Now, you may know that's not the entire line. He actually says, true love is the greatest thing in the world, except for a nice MLT sandwich when the mutton is nice and lean and the tomato is ripe. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Great line, but today I'm going to present to you a new idea for our consideration, and that is this. Imitation love is the greatest thing in the world and is, in fact, the real thing. Now, how could that be? Ephesians 5. Be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. You see, you see it? Just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. So the first thing this passage calls us to is the imitation of God. We are made in his image. Now, we spoiled that through sin, but redemption comes to restore that image and to make us over again like the Lord who fashioned us in his image. Now, that provides us with a profound sense of purpose. But our focus this morning will be on, on verse 2 and the exhortation there to walk in love just as Christ loved us. So the J part of PBJ involves making Jesus and his way of life and love central to our lives and then sharing him with others. Today we then learn how to love like Jesus, which is going to call us back into the sacrificial acts of blessing that we've been talking about. Somebody said sacrificially this morning. The sacrificial acts of blessing which we've been discussing in our PBJ focus. We are to imitate God. And what does that mean? Well, in large part, it means we walk in love. Now, I like the sermon title this morning. My titles usually aren't of much interest to me, uh, but this one communicates imitation love, the real thing. You get it? <laughs> imitation love, the real thing. God calls us to an imitation love that's not a phony love, but a love that copies the pattern that is set for us by our Lord. So let's look together at this imitation love, this call to walk in love. What does it look like? According to our text, it is expressed, love expresses itself by giving. It says, walk in love just as Christ also loved us and did what? gave himself for us. Now that verse you know in John chapter 3 verse 16 says that God so loved the world that he, that he gave. That's right. And, and uh, you spell love G-I-V-E. And we aren't talking about things you can wrap. What does Jesus give us as an expression of his love? Well, you could give a lot of good answers to that one. But the primary answer is he gives himself. And that is our calling as well. So here's another John 3.16 for you, but this one comes through the epistle of John, 1 John 3.16. We know love by this. He laid down his life for us, and we ought, to lay, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. 
So, are you a follower of Jesus today? <laughs> if so, this has to carry enormous weight in your thinking. This is God's word on the meaning of true love. Not romantic love, not sloppy sentimental love, but true Christ-like biblical Christian love. It means a laying down of one's life, a self-sacrifice, a giving of your Self. Jesus said in John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. And then in chapter 10, verse 11, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life <coughs> for the sheep. There you go. For many years, our family, on the first Saturday of the month, would join other disciples of Jesus at an abortion clinic to pray for the women showing up there and to pray against the killing that would happen in that place. We prayed to seek God's grace for the babies and the moms that showed up. And, and as we would stand along what was a pretty busy highway, it was US 1, a lot of cars would pass by. And of course, the reactions to our presence, they were varied and colorful sometimes. When uh, folks in their cars bothered to yell at us, you know what their favorite line was? I love this. This was real clever. They would ride by and yell, get a life! And I thought, well, isn't that interesting? <laughs> That's a great idea. Life is what we were all there for. But of course, what those people meant is that we should be looking for something more self-serving to do with our Saturday mornings. But you know what God's Word says is the only way to get a life? What's the only way to get a life, according to Jesus? You give your life away. <laughs> uh, you get a life when you give a life. Christ said that a person who loses his or her life for Christ's sake, they will gain it. The way of sacrifice. The way of sacrifice is the way of victory. And the way of humility is the way of exaltation. This is the radical nature of the Lord we follow and the faith that we believe in. It's also the true expression of love. We lay down our lives. We give ourselves. So we see that Christ loves us sacrificially. And as we know this morning, that's an adverb. Yeah. And if we are going to love others in a Jesus way, we do so with sacrifice as well. But what does that mean? I mean, it's nice to say, what does it mean practically? It means you put the interest of others above your own personal interest, your own personal comforts and pleasures. Say that again. It means you put the interest of others above your own personal comforts and pleasures. Now, hey, this calls for some discernment. Life in a fallen world can be complicated at times. It does not mean that you're never to enjoy personal comforts and pleasures. Occasionally, the enemy of our souls fools us into distorting this call to Christ-like loving sacrifice. Some will sacrifice their families for some great cause. That's not the Lord's will. In some cases, you can bring your family along into the sacrificial loving of others with some balance. That may be a good idea, but your sacrificial love begins practically at home with the spouse with the children, with the parents. One problem I've observed is that Joe Christian may get a lot more recognition and appreciation from those he blesses at the church or at the rescue mission that he's involved with than he gets in the midst of his own family. As a result, he may prioritize 
or misprioritize, I should say, his time and his investment of energy. What we want is this readiness, this heart to sacrifice, but we also want, we also need the Lord's guidance and wisdom about the direction that sacrifice is to take. And there are many factors to help us determine the direction that our service for Christ should go. I think of the priorities that are set out for us in Scripture. I think, too, of our distinctive giftings and abilities. I think of our life context and circumstances. All of these help guide us into the way, the avenues of service and self-sacrifice. And uh, it's probably also worth noting here that we are not to sacrifice personal rest and nurture either. Now, hey, there is a sinful indulgence that we are to avoid, as we saw a couple of weeks back in the Sermon on Sloth. Remember that? Yeah. But adequate rest, adequate attention to my own needs, my own health, all of that is critical. God even commands us a Sabbath day, doesn't he? I mean, there's nothing noble about burning out, nothing wise about resisting a rest. That was a joke, by the way. <laughs> Self-preservation of the Lord's servant, it only ensures more and better service in the long run. So I, I, hope, I hope you get that and can pursue a wise balance, although always operating from a heart that is ready to follow Jesus into those endeavors that stretch us and challenge us. But let's be clear, it will cost to love as Jesus loves. It will cost to love as Jesus loves. Sacrifice suggests pain. I remember when I was a top 40 DJ on an AM radio station back in the day, playing a green-labeled record by a group called Nazareth. Remember Nazareth? Huh? You all have to remember Nazareth? Ten of you. Okay. <laughs> I have no idea whether there was anything biblical about the group or not. I don't know why they called themselves Nazareth. But they had a hit song, the title of which was, Love Hurts. Yeah. The first line, love hurts, love scars, love wounds and marks. And there's more truth to that than those singers likely understood. Love does hurt. Ask any parent of an adult child, at least two adult children, uh, it does scar as well. At least loving sinners does that to you. It certainly hurt our Lord. His body was scarred. His body was wounded and marred by his love for sinners. That death at Calvary was nothing if not painful. And laying down your life, it will cost you. It cost you a lot of tears and a lot of forfeited pleasures that others might participate in. There's clearly a price for this imitation love because it is the real thing. It is the Jesus thing. Elizabeth Elliot has, by the way, lost a considerable amount in her service to Christ, has written a lovely book about Amy Carmichael, who was also a missionary. And the book is called Chance to Die. I commend it to you. A Chance to Die. In it, she prints one of Amy's poems. Hast thou no scar, no hidden scar on foot or side or hand? I hear thee sung as mighty in the land. I hear them hail thy bright ascendant star. Hast thou no scar? Hast thou no wound? Yet I was wounded by the archers, spent 
leaned me against a tree to die and rent by ravening beasts that compassed me. I swooned. Hast thou no wound? No wound, no scar, yet as the master shall the servant be, and pierced are the feet that follow me. But thine are whole. Can he have followed far who has no wound, no scar? You catch that? Can one have followed Jesus very far and have no scar to show for it? No pain, no wounds? Remember, we are the people of a wounded God. Never in human history has a people worshipped a wounded God. But Christians do precisely that. Here we confront how radical and, and peculiar our faith is. The world we live in calls us to, hey, self-expression, self-fulfillment. Our master calls us to self-sacrifice. Big difference. And when you combine the call to follow Jesus with the great commission that he gave us to make disciples, we are moved toward a lifestyle of loving sacrifice for the mission of the church, laying down our lives. What, what does it mean practically again? It means <laughs> that when you do your budget, the word give is to be prominent. The example of Jesus speaks volumes about what it means to use our financial resources lovingly. Love can be. It is expressed by kind words. It is expressed by gentle hugs. But if it does not impact the way you handle your material wealth, it isn't real imitation love. If you are a follower of Jesus and God has given you financial resources, what's it for? I was grieved to read a word from a famous pastor who was criticized for his extravagant lifestyle. And do you know how he justified it? He said, and I quote, God gave me money so I can show the world that Christians don't have to be poor. Well, that's an interesting calling. <laughs> God gave me money so that I can show the world that Christians don't have to be poor. Is that why God gives us money? Well, right. Christians don't have to be poor, but they are to be generous they are to be loving. Is your budget shaped by love? And what about your schedule? Is your time spent self-indulgently? Now, I look out at many of you here, and I know, I know you are living your life sacrificially, and I commend you for that. The number of you here I admire for that. Busy moms, busy dads, pouring out your life for your children. Busy elders and deacons and Sunday school teachers and evangelists laying down your lives for the sake of others. I think of our sister Maria Alouel coming home, having invested so much of this year in difficult places among very suffering people in Africa. 1 Corinthians 13 reminds us that we can serve others without actually being loving Lots of people do that, and it shows in their attitude. You can serve without loving, but you cannot love without serving and without giving, giving of your time and your talents and your dollars and your life. Now, all of this relates to loving sacrificially as Jesus does, but we have two more things to contemplate about the way Jesus loves. Consider then that he loves us with specific intentionality. I noticed nobody said that. 
Of course, it would have required three words. <laughs> so that's good. But he loves us with specific intentionality. That is, with a clear purpose and a goal in mind. His love for sinners has our ultimate best interest in view. And that means it's a hearty, it's a tough love that can be uh, strong when it's needing to be strong. What is the goal of his love? Titus 2 says that our Lord gave himself for us to, here's his purpose, redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. Well, that is important to know. This sacrificial love has the goal of making me like Jesus himself, making me a man that is committed to pure living, a man that is committing to good deeds. Ephesians 5 says the same kind of thing in that section about husbands and wives. It says Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might, what? (laughs) Sanctify her. Next verse. That he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. This is the specific intentionality behind the love of Christ, and this is why our love for our neighbors, it cannot just stop at deeds of kindness, acts of service, words of affirmation, and the like are part of what loving means, but the final hope is that men and women, boys and girls, will discover Christ who can transform their hearts and pardon their sins. And for us, this means that we sometimes take the uncomfortable step of talking with them about weighty and eternal matters. Sometimes we risk rejection through an invitation to a church event, like an Easter service coming up April 17, 10, 15, like an alpha course where someone will hear of Christ. How many of you know, how many of you know that you cannot change another person's heart? Huh? Anybody here know that? I give you more time to think about that. How many of you know that you cannot change a person's heart? Raise your hand. How many of you know you cannot give them faith? You cannot induce repentance. Even if you write repent on their beer can, you can't do it. (laughs) Of course, we know these things, but we also know the power of God's word. Lost people get around the Lord's word They get around the Lord's people, and when that happens, world-changing stuff occurs because Jesus is seeking people to become his worshipers. And when he comes seeking for new sheep, he does find. Our final observation about how Jesus loves is that he loves with patience. Somebody said something along those lines. Was that Beth that said that? She's an expert at it. Oh, you said joyfully. You're good at that too, but loving patiently with perseverance, that's your specialty. (laughs) Uh, Love with patience, love with perseverance. Pick your P word. Uh, Where do we see the manifest patience of the love of Christ? Well, as you read the Gospel of Luke, here's where you're going to see it. You're going to see it in his dealings with his disciples. (laughs) The love of Jesus for these 12 men 
is such a great lesson for us. He was very intentional. Jesus took the initiative with them. They didn't send in applications for the Jesus squad. He went after them, each one of them, and he had an obvious plan for them. He had a purpose. He was growing their souls into a world-changing army of gospel warriors. And, And then what do we read of in the gospel stories? Time after time after time, they disappointed. Their faith failed. When they should have been bold, they were chickens. When they should have been humble, they were arrogant. When they were supposed to be praying, they slept. And then in the moment of our Lord's greatest crisis, oh, they ran away, or they denied him outright. And Jesus, he loved them still. He kept on teaching and exhorting and forgiving all the way. You want to love like Jesus? Prepare to be long-suffering. It's a good King James word. Long-suffering to forgive and forbear and to give more opportunities to those who disappoint you. How does our Savior love with sacrifice, with purpose, with patience? Okay, are you ready to follow Him? Anybody want to say, not really? <laughs> maybe, maybe you can't all say yes with enthusiasm, but are you ready to ask for the grace of His Spirit to make you ready to follow Him? You into that? Can you ask the Spirit to help you be ready to follow Him? That much we can hope for, and that much, that much we will do. But first, 1941. There's a man named Maximilian Kolb. He was a Polish Christian who was swept into the horrors of the prison camp at Auschwitz. That, of course, is the enormous Nazi killing center where thousands of people, mostly Jews, were gassed and cremated every 24 hours. And in this horrible place, Kolb ministered to his fellow prisoners, praying with them, comforting them, And then one July night, the air was filled with the bang of dogs and the roar of motorcycles. A prisoner from Barracks 14 had gotten out, had escaped, and everybody knew the policy of the camp was simple. For every escapee, 10 prisoners would be sentenced to death, not quickly in the gas chambers, but by starvation with no food and water until slowly their sanity and their life would slip away from them. The commandant lined the men of Barracks 14 up before him and inspected them, choosing out the miserable ten. And one man cried out, My poor wife, my poor children, what will they do? And as the commandant lined up the ten men, there was a commotion in the ranks. One prisoner had broken out of the line calling for the commandant. It was unheard of to leave formation, let alone to address a Nazi officer. The commandant stopped and said, what does this Polish pig want of me? And it was Maximilian Kolb who had ministered to so many who stood now before the Nazi killer and said, I would like to die in place of one of the condemned men. When asked for whom he would like to die, he pointed to the man that had cried in anguish about his widow and his orphans. 
His wish granted, Cole was taken with the others to the death hole where for the next several days something extraordinary happened. Instead of hearing the usual fighting and howling and frenzy coming from that cell, those out her, outside heard the faint sounds of singing. Why? Why did Maximilian Kolb do this? Because he was committed to walk in love like Jesus who gave himself for us. He did it because he was a Christian. Are you? Are you a follower of this Jesus? Now, you likely won't get a chance to be a hero like Max Kolb, but the Lord calls you to a heroism of a different type. He calls you to heroic living with your wife, with your husband, with those children, with your community. He calls you to love in the place and the manner of his appointment. The glory of Maximilian Kolb's story is not that God called him to die, but that God called him to be like Jesus in the place that God had him. So what does that mean for you this morning? Well, the details will vary depending on who we are, depending on where we are. But what God asks from each of us, is this imitation love? Because it only is the real thing. Let's pray. So, Lord, you know very well that our, our flesh shrinks from this call to follow Jesus because we have given in, been given insight as to where Jesus goes. And he goes into difficult places and he does difficult things. And, Lord, we prefer to stay very comfortable. Forgive us for our lack of faith. Forgive us for our lack of readiness to step into the difficult places with Christ. And, Lord, we don't know what you're calling us to. Some of us may be called, like Max Cole, to lay down our lives in a physical, literal sense, but we know that you're calling us to follow Jesus, and we pray that you would make clear for us what that looks like, that we would love with specific intention, that we would love with patience and perseverance, that we would certainly love sacrificially and have a heart to put the interest of others above our own personal comforts and pleasures. And Lord, we don't believe that this is the way of misery and sadness. It is indeed the way of joy. And so direct our steps and quicken our hearts. Give us the assurance of faith that walking in the steps of Christ means we humble ourselves, but you, in good timing and in your way, will exalt us. And then use us, Lord, to rescue some for your praise. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.